If you brought your Bible, go please to the sixth book of uh, sixth chapter of the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter six this morning, beginning at verse sixteen. Beginning a new sermon series this morning entitled Taming Lions. How many of you have some lions in your life that need to be put in their place? Shout amen if that's you. God wants to make you a lion tamer. The book of Daniel chapter 6 verse 16. We're going to read this morning about the life of one of God's great servants. The life of Daniel, very well known to all of you, and I think probably this story will not be new to anyone here. But if, if you're wondering, if you're asking, you say, Pastor, do you really believe this story? I give you one guess. Yes. I believe all of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. I even believe the maps. I believe God's word. And I believe God can rescue Daniel out of a lion's den. And he can carry Jonah in a whale or a big fish. That he can raise Jesus from the dead. And in him are all these promises and in his word. And so this morning I read as one who believes the word of God, Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you certainly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the signet ring of the nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him. And he was sleeping, or pardon, and his sleep fled him. Then the king arose at dawn, at the day, at the break of day, and went in haste, and he went to the lion's den. When he had come near to the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you certainly and constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. They have not harmed me, and as much as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no injury whatsoever was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. Can you say amen this morning? Father, we thank you for your word, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And is able to divide between the soul and the spirit. I pray this morning that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask that you anoint the hearing of this congregation. That they might hear the word of God. Receive it with joy. And bear fruit in their life. We ask that in Jesus name. And the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
Taming lions. The Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This morning we have in our view the life of one of God's choice servants. His name was Daniel. Daniel was a prophet in the Old Testament. One who was able to prophesy events concerning the coming of the Messiah as well as the coming kingdom age. And Daniel was a man who was mightily used by God, but don't get the sense entirely that he was just another preacher. Daniel was really a politician. He was a statesman. And by the time that we read in Daniel chapter 6, he has been promoted and elevated to becoming the one of the three most powerful men after the king in the Persian Empire. The Medo-Persians had 120 districts. Maybe we could call them 120 states. Daniel was elevated to be one of the three presidents of those 120 states. And so Daniel would have under his charge an enormous amount of responsibility and power. And uh, he did his job so well that the Bible said the king intended to promote him even further, making him the ranking officer among those three and giving him authority over the three most powerful men in the country. And this was a man who was a Jewish man, first of all. He was in exile. That means he was a stranger. He wasn't in his homeland, in his home country. And he was a man who feared the God of Israel. This was... A, a situation that set him at odds with the entire Persian world, the entire, entire Persian kingdom, which had any number of gods and did not honor the God of Israel. And so Daniel is being promoted, but with promotion comes the peril of promotion. And maybe this morning you say, Pastor, I would like to be promoted. I would like God to use me. I would like God to raise me up. Maybe you serve in a company, you say, Pastor, I would like to rise in the ranks of that company to be a testimony for God. Maybe you serve in government. You say, Pastor, I would like to be raised up by God to serve in government and to make decisions that would influence the, the future of our country. Maybe you serve in the church. You say, Pastor, I would like to, to grow and to advance in my ministry. All of these things are good because, you see, we need spiritual men and women in every aspect of life. We need spiritual men and women in business. We need spiritual men and women in government. And we need spiritual women and men in the church. Somebody say amen. amen. The church has retreated from the public life. It has, it has reserved its faith too often to just the church house. Daniel was not so. His faith had taken him to places that were public, that were not private, places that were going to set him at odds with people, and yet we see that God promotes him. Now, I want to mention briefly there are three reasons why he gets promoted. First of all, he was promoted by character. Say character. If you want to go up, you've got to be a man or woman of integrity, a man or woman of character. God promotes character. God does not promote people who lack integrity. If you want to go up with God, he has to find in us a heart that desires to do what is right all the time, not just when people are watching, not just when people are looking. I know we live in a world today where it seems like character no longer matters. 
But it seems like the less character someone has, the more um, qualified they are to serve in public office or to be a role model for our uh, young men and ladies. But can I tell you that as far as God is concerned, character still counts. God still promotes character. He still promotes integrity. In fact, the Bible says that he who walks with integrity walks securely. That means that if you don't lie, you don't have to worry about getting caught in lies. And if you don't steal, you don't have to worry about getting caught stealing. Come on, somebody. If you live in integrity, you walk safely. You walk securely. The second thing, we see that Daniel was promoted by God. God, the Bible says, is the one that raises men up, and he's the one that brings men down. God is the promoter. He's the one that exalts, and he's the one that lowers men. So if you want a promotion that counts at all, it needs to come from God. You need to have that promotion where God raises you up. Because you see, friend, if God brings you down, nobody can bring you up. But if God raises you up, nobody can bring you down. Say amen, somebody. Daniel was raised up by God. Now that he has been raised up by his character and he's been raised up by God, finally we see that Daniel was raised up by man. Now men are able to see in Daniel the character and integrity of his heart, and he begins to rise in the ranks. But here's the problem. That promotion brings lions. Every time you go to a new level in your life, you can expect a new devil in your life, okay? You might as well just get used to it. Every time you set out to do God's will or God's purpose for your life, there is going to be opposition. Many times Christians are surprised by this. And we get surprised because we imagine that our road to heaven is going to be covered in, in rose petals all the way to the top. But the fact is that there are lions along the road. There is a devil that wants to stop you from fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. Can I just tell you this morning that the fact is the devil is really not attacking you as much as he is attacking the purpose of God in your life. When you were serving him, when you guys were on the same team, he didn't bother you. He left you alone. But the moment you set foot on the path that leads to righteousness, the moment you set foot on the path that leads to God, all of a sudden opposition comes into your life. And so it was with Daniel that opposition came into his life. The devil rose up to oppose the purpose of God in Daniel. Can you imagine how much glory God would get if a Jewish boy from Jerusalem, from a torn down forgotten city in the Middle East, was raised up to be the most powerful man in the Persian Empire. This would have brought great glory to God and great shame to the God-haters. And so the enemies of Daniel rose up. Notice their strategy. First of all, they began to look for a way to accuse him. I want you to know that the devil is an accuser. Every time the devil opens his mouth, he's accusing. He is the accuser of the brethren. And he goes to try to find some way that the enemy can accuse Daniel. I imagine that Daniel was audited by the IRS. And they found that he was squeaky 
clean. His finances were as clean as a whistle. So then they went and they checked his, uh, his, uh, his uh, uh, background in terms of his personal relationships to see if maybe there were any women back there that nobody knew about. And guess what? He was clean as a whistle. And every place that the devil shined a light, Daniel shined even brighter because he was a man of integrity, a man who honored the heart of God. Is there anybody that wants to be like that? Come on, somebody. God still honors men and women of, in, of integrity and character. So they said, you know what? We can't accuse Daniel. He is a man above reproach. So we're going to have to attack him where we can. We're going to have to attack his faith. We're going to have to attack his confidence in God. And so these men around Daniel concocted a plan. They went to King Darius and King Darius obviously was a man who was given to flattery like all men are. And uh, he began to be uh, told certain things. I imagine they came to him and said, oh, King Darius, you know, you are the smartest, uh, wisest, most good-looking king in the whole world. There aren't any, any kings like you, and we want to honor you in a certain way. Can I just tell you, watch out for the flattering tongue. Watch out for that, for that, uh, that lady that you're not married to that comes to you and says, ooh, you look good at 50. And oh, no, no, don't, don't fall for that stuff, all right? Uh, watch out for that, that man that comes into your life and says, you know, if your husband's not paying much attention to you, I will. You got to watch out for that flattering tongue because it's going to lead you astray. Daniel was now in the crosshairs of these men, and they found a king who was given to their flattery. And so they tell the king, what we want to do is we want to honor you by setting aside 30 days in which nobody in the entire Persian Empire will be able to pray or make a request to any god or man except the king. Now notice what they're doing. They're saying, Darius, we want to give you a 30-day period of time when nobody will pray and nobody will make any requests or petition unless they speak to you. And well, can you imagine, friends, 30 days without prayer? Can you imagine 30 days without seeking the face of God? I, I dread that when I think about how much trouble America is in right now. And I think that if, if America's in enough trouble as it is, if it's in the trouble that it's in with prayer, what would happen to us if we didn't pray? What would happen if there was no church seeking the face of God? Can I ask you an honest and important question this morning? How long will you go without prayer? How long will you go without talking to God? These men wanted the nation to go, the empire to go 30 days without talking to God. I hope all of you pray at least three times a day. You say, yes, sir, pastor, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, that's a good start right there. But I hope you have a life of prayer. Because, you see, it is prayer that guides our life. It is prayer that guides our decisions. Listen, just think about it for a minute. What happens when you don't pray. When you don't pray, you become prey. When you don't pray, you become a target for the enemy's attack. When you and I don't pray, we go without guidance and without a defense. When we don't pray, we get estranged from God. We make bad decisions. We follow the wrong advice. 
We, we go and do things that we don't need to do. We start fights at home. We start going our own way. And we are led astray by a prayerless life. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel, the Bible said, prayed three times a day. And not just breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But he prayed specifically and, and uh, in, a, in a, a dedicated way three times a day. This was his practice. And these men were unable to accuse his character. So they had to accuse his faith. And they accused his relationship with God. Now the king says, all right, I guess that's a good idea. And they sign a decree. They make a law that no one can pray in the Persian Empire for 30 days. Nobody can seek the face of any other god but the king Darius. Guess what? Now Daniel has a choice. Daniel now has the same choice that everyone in this church has this morning and which the church has in the United States today. We have a choice about whether we're going to bow to man or whether we're going to bow to God. If we're going to bow to the demands of our culture or whether we're going to bow our knee to God. This is the choice that America has today. God or culture. God or man's way. God or man's ideas. And more and more, it seems as though the church has adopted the ways and the mindset of the world. But there is a challenge before us this morning. Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve the culture? Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve Hollywood? Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve pleasure? Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve money? Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve the flesh? We have to decide just as Daniel had to decide. Are we going to serve the Lord? Is he going to have our full an undivided commitment and a full and undivided authority in our life. This is how Daniel responded to this situation. The Bible said that he went on doing just as he had always done. Now think about that. Daniel is in the most threatening moment of his life. They just passed a law that says that if you pray, they're going to throw you in a pit with hungry lions. Now Daniel the Bible says he doesn't panic, he doesn't go into a frenzy, he doesn't, he doesn't fall on the ground and have a fit, he doesn't say, oh, why God, why me? No, he goes on doing what he's always done. He goes on praying like he's always prayed. He goes on trusting like he's always trusted. He goes on believing like he's always believed. I hope I'm describing your life this morning because some storms are going to come into your life. Every once in a while, some lions are going to roar at you. And when you hear those lions, don't panic. Just keep on keeping on. Don't, don't panic. Just go on trusting and serving the Lord. Come on, somebody. I hope I'm describing your life because every believer needs to have a habit of faith, a habit of serving the Lord that says, you know what? My circumstances are not going to determine whether I serve God or not. Say amen, somebody. You've got to decide my circumstances are not going to decide whether I'm going to be pleasing to God or not. I'm going to serve the Lord in the good times and in the bad times. I'm going to serve God when I'm well and when I'm sick. Come on, somebody. I'm going to serve God when I have plenty, and I'm going to serve God when I have rice and beans. Come on, somebody. I am going to serve the Lord. He just went on serving God. 
Now, how did he respond? First of all, the Bible said that he went up. Say, go up. Every time lions show up in your life, when trouble shows up in your life, you've got to go up. Daniel went up to the upper room in his house. This was a room above the, the roof where he had set apart a place to pray. It was his altar. It was his place of commitment and fellowship with God. And so Daniel went up. Every time a problem comes into your life, you have two options. You can either go down or you can go up. If you go down, you go into, into the mindset of the flesh. You go into the mindset of defeat. When you go into the mindset of I can't, I won't, it's impossible, you're going down. When you go and you get into gossip, you're going down. When you go and you get into seeking advice from people that need counseling, you're going down. When you go and you try to get the answer out of yourself, you're going down. You've got to go up. You've got to realize the answer's not in me. The answer's not in what I have or what I can do. I've got to go up. I've got to go talk to God. Is anybody here this morning that knows what I'm talking about? You see, because the call of God is an upward call. God didn't call you down. He didn't call you to more of the same. He didn't call you to live and to dwell in the junk that he brought you out of. No, he called you to come up. He called you to bring you up out of the mire and the clay and out of the garbage that you and I were in. And so Daniel goes up. And then the Bible said that he faced Jerusalem. I want you to notice this, that Daniel faces Jerusalem because it's the custom of the Jews to face Jerusalem. Here's the thing. Jerusalem is in ruins. Jerusalem's walls are torn down. Jerusalem's gates have been burned with fire. Jer Jerusalem is a city of, uh, of ruins, is a city of shame. And yet he faces toward Jerusalem because he knows that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has set his name there. And he knows that God is going to restore that city someday. And so he says, look, my hope is not in the capital of Persia. My hope is in the city of God. Come on, somebody. You've got to look up. You've got to look to the, to the God of heaven and say, you know what? My hope is not in the ruins of my circumstance or the trouble that I'm in. There is a God who has made a promise over Jerusalem. And there is a God who has made a promise over my life. And so Daniel faces Jerusalem. And then the Bible said that Daniel opens the window. Now listen to this. Daniel is a man of prayer. And he might have gone to the woods to pray in some private setting. He could have even gone to, uh, to his house and closed all the doors and windows in order to pray. But instead, Daniel opens the windows. Why? Because he is not ashamed of his God. And beyond that, he wants Persia to know that he serves a living God. You see, Daniel wanted the world to know that he served a God who was able to do extraordinary things. And so he opens his windows because he doesn't live a closet religion. He doesn't have a religion that's only good on Sunday mornings when nobody's watching. He wanted them to know that in every setting of his life that he was going to serve the Lord. And then the Bible said that he knelt down and began to pray. Daniel fell upon his knees. Now we see the humility in the man of God. You see, if you're going to face lions, you're going to have to have some humility. In order, to, in order to be found faithful like Daniel, there comes a day when you have to bow your knees before the Lord. When you and I come to God and say, God, I don't have a solution. I don't have the way out. 
I don't know what's going to happen here, but I trust you. I believe you, and I am going to bow my knees, and I'm going to allow you to take control of this situation. This morning, you might need to fall on your knees. This morning, you might have a need in your life that requires you to bow low and to say, God, I need your help. And can I tell you, friend, that God is attracted to humility. The Bible says that he looks a long way off at the proud, but he comes near, he draws near to the humble. He draws near to those who bow their knee to him. Every single person who's ever had a relationship with God has come has had to come by way of humility by way of submission God will not allow anyone to boast in his presence he requires of all of us that we bow our knee before him now Daniel bows his knees and he begins to pray he prays 3 times a day just as he had always done he seeks God's face just as he always had not just because he was in trouble, not just because he needed something from God, but because this was the pattern of his life. Daniel had what all of us need to have. He had holy habits. Say that with me, holy habits. Do you have some holy habits? You know, if, if somebody shows up at your house this morning and they're knocking on the door, they ought to remember that you're at church. Why? Because you have a holy habit. You're in God's house every single morning on Sunday. You're in God's house hearing God's word. You see, people ought to know that you serve the Lord. And they, that your habits, friend, are going to tell you and they're going to tell your life uh, whether or not you have a, a godly lifestyle or not. Just a, 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 analyze your habits this morning. Do you have a habit of prayer? Do you have a habit of reading the word? Do you have a habit of worship? All of these things are essential parts of the Christian life. You say, well, pastor, what about grace? Doesn't grace mean that I don't need to do any of those things? Well, friend, here's the fact. Prayer and Bible study and being in the house of God, they can't justify you. They don't sanctify you either. Only, only faith can do that. But here's what they do. They bring you into fellowship with God. And when you are walking in fellowship with God, you have direction, you have leadership, and you have power in your life. Daniel had these kinds of habits in his life. And he lived in such a way that in every, in every season of his life, his habits continued. You know, I've noticed that we have, uh, in, in, at least in, in uh, our part of the world, when we have a funeral, we have a habit of eating. Why is that? Uh, every time we lose a loved one, we still eat, right? And, and that means that in all seasons of our life, even in the morning, even in morning, we still eat. Well, guess what? We need to have a habit like that, that in every season of our life, whether we're in joy or in mourning, we're going to serve the Lord. Whether we're in joy or in mourning, we're going to read His Word. Whether we're in joy or in mourning, we're going to worship. Come on, somebody, that you and I have a habit of being in the presence of God. This is what Daniel was saying. He was saying, I would rather die than not pray. Now, that's commitment. Daniel was saying, I would rather die, I would rather be pulled apart limb from limb by wild and hungry lions than not talk to God. And the Bible said that they were watching him. They were looking for him. And they saw him 
and he was praying in the morning, he was praying in the afternoon, and he was praying in the evening. And they came to the king and they said, King, we have a problem. Daniel has violated your decree. Daniel has violated your law. You said that no one could pray to any other God but to you. And Daniel has gone on praying every single day, three times a day, to a different God, to the God of Israel. Now, according to the law, king, Daniel has to be thrown in the lion's den. Now, Daniel and the king were friends. And they made it so airtight that the king could not change the decree that he had made. Daniel was going to the lion's den. Daniel had a choice, uh, and he had made his choice. He had chosen to follow God. He had chosen to honor God. And now the consequence of his life was to be thrown into the lion's den. Let me ask you a question. Who made that decision? Who put Daniel in the lion's den? You know who it was? Daniel put himself in the lion's den. Because Daniel had a choice. And he chose to serve God. Can I tell you sometimes choosing to be righteous is not going to be the easy choice. Sometimes choosing to honor God is not going to be easy. But you're going to have to decide whether there's a lion's den or not in my future. I am going to serve the Lord. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to put my life in his hands. And the Bible says that Darius went into a panic. The king was worried. He was about to lose his best governor. Scripture said that he couldn't sleep all night long. You can imagine that king wringing his hands, trying to find a way. The Bible said he, he tried to find a way to rescue Daniel. And this morning, I believe there's some people in here who are trying to find a way. You're like Darius, wringing your hands, panicking. How am I going to save this boy? How am I going to save this daughter of mine? How am I going to save this marriage? How am I going to save this business? You're wringing your hands trying to find a way to rescue your problem. Can I tell you that Daniel's king, Daniel's friend, came to the same conclusion you have to come to this morning. The king said to Daniel, Daniel, this is a problem for God. This is something so big that God is going to have to solve this one. God is going to have to move in on this situation. He tried to rescue Daniel, but he couldn't. Because some problems are just outside of the reach of man. Some problems are outside of the reach of the human ability. Some problems are outside of the reach of your wisdom and your intellect. There are some problems that doctors can solve. There are some problems that lawyers can solve. There are some problems that bankers can solve. But there are some problems that only God can solve. There are some problems that only God, only God can come in and change that situation. Come on, somebody. Tell your neighbor, this is a problem for God. But you see, when, when you give the job to God, God gets the job done. I said God gets the job done. If you're out of ideas, call on God. If you're out of resources, call on God. If you're out of hope, call on God. He is the help you need. He is the answer that you need. Daniel was out of options. The king was out of options. 
But God was still there. He said, Daniel, this is, this is going to have to be God's doing now. When the mightiest king in the world can't help you, you might think, nobody can help me. They took Daniel. They put him down a hole into a lion's den. You got to think about these Persians. What kind of, what kind of punishment and torture they had concocted a lion's den. And there was a hole on the top of this cave where they would drop the food. So the lions, when they saw that, that, that little gate open, and whatever came through that hole, they devoured it before it hit the ground. They knew that was food that was coming down through that hole. They put Daniel down through that hole. The Bible said they took a stone and they put it over the hole. They sealed it so that no one would rescue Daniel overnight. The Bible said that they closed that hole and, the, and, the, and Darius went to his palace. He couldn't sleep. He thought he had lost his best governor. But the scripture says that that night, the angel of the Lord came into the lion's den. You say, Pastor, who or what is the angel of the Lord? Well, in, in the Old Testament, there are angels, and then there's an angel. There, there are angels that are God's messengers, sent from God to deliver messages. But then there is another man who appears throughout the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, they called him the angel of the Lord because they didn't have a better name for him. But really, it was Jesus Christ prior to the incarnation. The same angel of the Lord that walked with Adam in the cool of the day. The same angel of the Lord that appeared to Abram. The same angel of the Lord that wrestled with Jacob on the side of the brook Jabbok. The same angel of the Lord that appeared to Joshua on the side of the Jordan. The same angel of the Lord that appeared with Sedrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. The angel of the Lord stepped into the lion's den. Can I tell you that the lion of the tribe of Judah came into that lion's den? The lion tamer came into that lion's den. Jesus came in there with his whip and he put those lions in their place. Can I tell you this is a problem for God and when you can't solve it, you've got to call on Jesus. Jesus is the one that can come in and put those lions in their place. The Bible said the angel of the Lord shut the mouth of the lions. Now I want you to look real close with me because this is not the end of the story. Daniel really, Daniel became a type. Because if you keep reading your Bible, you recall that there was another man who was put in a den, in a cave. They rolled a heavy stone in front of his dead body. And they sealed that stone with a wax seal, just like they did for Daniel. But you see, this time, there was no one in that tomb but Jesus. But the Bible tells me that when they put Jesus in that tomb, on the third day, the Son of God rose with power and with great glory. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the lion tamer this morning. I'm talking about the God who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ask or even imagine. The next morning, the king comes 
And he says, let's move that stone. And, and the king is talking to a dead man. He says, oh, Daniel, was your God able? Just like, you know, you might talk to somebody that's gone and say, Mama, why'd you leave me? Daniel comes over that, to that den to talk to the bones of Daniel. Daniel, was your God able? What he didn't expect was to hear a voice come back to him and say, My God was able to deliver. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a God who is bigger than your problem, bigger than your trouble, bigger than your circumstances. He is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or even imagine. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, give him praise in his house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you? Can I tell you this morning? I just preached your testimony. I said, I just preached your testimony because the devil has put you in some pits and the devil has put stones over that pit and he said, all right, I've got him now. I've got her now. But guess what this morning you're saying, hey, I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still alive. My God, my God is able. My God is able. They pulled Daniel out of that pit. And not one scratch. I said, not one scratch. Can I tell you, you're about to survive the storms of your life. And when you come through on the other side, not one scratch. God will protect you. God will defend you. God will honor you. This morning... Give the problem to God. Tell him this morning, Lord, this is a problem for you. You're going to have to solve this. You're going to have to do this. And watch him step into your life. Watch him put those lions in their place. Watch him glorify himself. Darius made a decree. He said to all of Persia, Everyone should pray to the God of Daniel. Everyone should pray to the God of Daniel because he is able. This morning, I haven't come to you to preach another God, another gospel, another message. I've come to tell you the same God that rescued Daniel and the same God that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and he is present to rescue you. I said, he is present to rescue you. He is your rescuer. He is your deliverer. And I want to open this altar this morning. And we're going to do this a little differently this morning. I'm going to ask the elders to come, please. Sister Christina, would you come? Brother Olvera, Sister Olvera, would you come, please? Sister Stephanie, if you would. Brother Bill. I want you just to face the congregation. If you have a need in your life this morning, I want you to come and meet with one of these elders and one of these members of the prayer team. And I want you to put it in God's hands. And after you've prayed together, just, just find a spot on this, in this altar where you can kneel before God. 
and do just like Daniel did. Where you can kneel before God and say, Lord, I trust you with this. I trust you with it. Come on, if you have a need in your life, you say, I need God to rescue. Hallelujah. Come on, let's, let's fill this altar with faith this morning. There is a, a problem solving God in this house. There is a deliverer in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God is able.